we wrap up our momentum theme for this year. We're transitioning from come to the water to renewed spirit. And this is the perfect segue into our theme for the next program year, rephrase, for a new perspective on wholeness. God's story comes into our story. It leads us into community with one another and into service to others. And then this momentum drives us to ask the question, how does this fit into my life? How can I take this biblical story that at first glance may not make sense in my life now? How can we rephrase the message to make it make sense, to see how it fits into our lives? And to start asking this question, we take a look at how God has renewed God's spirit in the lives of those who have come before us. So I enjoy running. But you know what? I didn't always enjoy it. I'm forced to run by the army. And for the longest time, that's how I viewed it. Something that I was forced to do. And how many of us like doing things that we're forced to do? With the army, I have to pass a physical fitness test. And several years ago, I was training to pass this test to submit my packet to become a full-fledged chaplain, rather than being a chaplain candidate, which is the role that I was in at the time. Well, running and I, we weren't meshing at all. And I ended up being several seconds off from passing this test. I remember going into the office of the chaplain supervising me at the time, and he looked at me with this mixture of disappointment, annoyance, and a little bit of disdain. And he just said, you're better than this. And then he dismissed me and shut the door. I felt like I was about 10 inches tall. I walked away from that and I realized I need to do something. That something was sign up for a half marathon. <laughs> yeah, smart, right? Sign up for a half marathon when you don't like running. But I did, I figured out a training plan and I got to work. And you know, something changed in me during that training time. I was given this renewed spirit where I realized that I actually enjoy running. As painful as the lead up to all of that was, it was also the kick in the posterior that I needed in order to get done the thing that I needed to do. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Then God said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, 
for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I've also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. Our focus text for today is the story of Moses, who's been hiding out in the land of Midian after fleeing from Egypt. So Moses had a pretty privileged life. He was born an Israelite slave. He was plucked from the Nile River by Pharaoh's daughter. He was adopted by her, and then he was raised in Pharaoh's household. Unlike his Israelite brethren, he was not actually a slave. He wasn't treated like a slave. And in fact, he was served by the slaves in Egypt. One day, he observed an Israelite slave being beaten by an Egyptian overseer, and he ended up killing the Egyptian. And then word got out, and he fled Egypt. He was fearful that he would be thrown in prison or worse for his crime. And he ended up in Midian, which is northern Saudi Arabia today. He saved the daughters of the Midian priest at a well, and he ended up marrying one of them and having two sons. And you know what? He's totally content in his new life in Midian. And then God appears in the form of a burning bush. Moses sees this bush on fire, and he's all like, huh, that's weird. Why isn't this bush burning up? And then God starts speaking to him from the bush. I don't know about you, but I'd be kind of freaked out by that. But anyway... God tells Moses that he needed to get back to Egypt. He needed to deliver the Israelites from slavery. And Moses is like, who am I to do this? So further on down in the chapter, Moses comes up with excuses as to why he can't do this. Like when he said that he was slow with speech and he can't talk in front of people. And God gets mad and tells Moses, well, fine, if you're going to be like that, your brother Aaron will do the talking for you. Essentially, God's like, sorry, dude, you're still going to do this, so get to it. Moses probably would have been just fine living out the rest of his life in Midian with his wife, their sons, and his new family. God, though, had other plans. The burning bush was the sign in God's command to Moses, and it was the kick that Moses needed to go and do what God wanted him to do. It was renewing his spirit. It was reminding him of who he was and what God was calling him to do. Think to a time in your life when you were maybe stuck in a rut or 
going through life on autopilot. Maybe you had some sort of dream, but life took an unexpected turn. Or you got comfortable where you were at and you didn't or don't see a need to change things. Maybe you're just trying to survive to keep your head above water. Maybe you're like Moses and ran away from something and are totally content with where you are and you have zero desire to go back and face what you left. Whatever the case is, I think all of us have experienced this at some point in time. And maybe we secretly want to be reminded of what and who we could be, what our dreams were, and have motivation to go back for them or to go to them. God renews our spirits in unexpected ways, driving us to go outside of our comfort zones, pushing us to grow and change, leading us to be the people that God created us to be. Sometimes whether we're ready or not, Moses wasn't ready. You know, he kept making excuses to God. And you know what? God shot down all of those excuses. So what excuses do you give? Now, I'm totally not saying that you have to be a yes person, never saying no to anyone, doing things that you 100% are not equipped for without any preparation or training, and never allow yourself to take time for yourself. I do want to challenge you to ask yourself, what's holding you back from trying something new? What's holding you back from taking that step to better yourself or to grow? What's stopping you from saying yes to an ask or even saying no to something if you're always saying yes to something? What's keeping you from saying no? You know, I get that. It's really hard sometimes. It's hard to say no to things it's sometimes hard to say yes to things. And it's easy to make excuses. So one of my former chaplain supervisors, not the same one that I talked about before, but a different one, he was very adamant that we never give excuses if we failed to complete something. Either we did it or we did not do it. For those who are into Star Wars, it's a play on Yoda's quote, do or do not, there is no try. If we failed to get something done, then we just had to deal with the consequences. And right or wrong, this is something that I've really internalized. I try hard not to give excuses and instead to own when I mess up, own when I fall short and do better, or at least attempt to do better. But the thing with that is it doesn't always give a lot of room for grace. It's way easier for me to give grace to others than to myself. And maybe you have a similar tendency. The good news for us is that when we have excuses, when we fall short, when we don't give ourselves grace, God does. God equips us for what God's calling us to do. God helps remove the barriers that hold us back. God renews the spirit within us 
so that we can go forth and change the world. So what kick do you need to motivate you to make a change in your life? To take a step into the unknown or do something that you've always wanted to do but have been afraid to try? What excuses do you need to let go of? As you go into this week, may your spirit be renewed in you. May you give and receive grace. And may you be inspired to be who God created you to be. Amen. During the next few days, I encourage you to go deeper into the message with these two reflection questions. The first, what excuses do you give when you are scared to move out of your comfort zone? And the second, how has God renewed your spirit in the last month? And what has come out of that?